This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International. This week, again, my special guest is Apostle Don Beasley, Senior Pastor Beasley, Pastors at Turning Point City Church, Dixon, Illinois. Uh, welcome back, Don. Hey, good morning. How are you doing, Dr. Hansen? Well, doing well. We're, uh, although we have challenges, believe me, uh, as you know, there's always challenges. Absolutely. Now, on my World Ministries International uh, with Dr. Jonathan Hansen Facebook blog, uh, I wrote, many people in the Bible today don't like some of the words or the tone in which Jesus spoke the truth and challenged them. They called them being judgmental. I guess every parent in God himself is guilty. Don? Yes, amen. I, it's, uh, it's amazing how that, you know, I just talked about this last week when I was in my message last week, and I was just talking about how that what we've done with the what we call the difficult words of Jesus when he talks about righteousness because it said the Holy Spirit would come and convict the world of sin because he didn't believe in him, of righteousness because he went to the Father, and of judgment because the enemy stands condemned. And the key to righteousness, you know, everybody has this form of righteousness, but it's their form. As long as I'm better than who I say is unrighteous, then that makes me righteous. But we're never the standard of measurement. Sure. And uh, Jesus said, unless our righteousness surpassed that of the scribes and Pharisees, we by no way enter the kingdom of heaven. And um, so we just, you know, I find it amazing how that we, uh, what we do with scripture, you know, the, what I call the difficult words of Jesus concerning our, our responsibility to live righteously. That's not up for grabs. We don't get to change it. All, you can get all the people you want to in the world the consensus. Uh, you can have the majority of the world that say that does no longer matter. But when we stand before God, it's all that will matter. And none of the other stuff will matter at all. That's right. So, yeah, people. So it's just interesting how we do that. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good description, the difficult words of Jesus. Um, because he did say a lot of words that people don't like. Right. I mean, even in the church, uh, uh, they don't like it. And uh, they wouldn't like the tone in which sometimes he challenged his own disciples or challenged the religious, um, quote, uh, uh, leaders of the day. Yeah, in, in, in uh, Luke chapter 
I think it's about chapter 14, Jesus told his own disciples in three different sets of things he was talking about there that they could not be his disciples or nor could they follow him if they did not count the cost and that it was going to cost them everything and they, you know, or, or they would fail to, to be able to follow him. He said, if you allow other people to influence you over me, and he included everybody in that list except the husband and the wife. Everybody, our mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, everybody else in that list. He said, you have to turn away from them to follow me if they refuse to follow me. Well, then we have this whole thing today, you know, where we, we change all that around. And, you know, what Jesus said have nothing to do with these people. Uh, like when Jesus said, when you go, he told his disciples, you go out, you speak peace over the place, shalom. And if they return shalom to you, because shalom, they knew what shalom meant. It means we're followers of God. And if they don't, then he says, kick off the dust off your feet and move on. But we quit doing that a long time ago. And, uh, you know, we have all this nonsense going on now about uh, people trying to, you know, ungodly people trying to tell us what God determined. They're trying to tell us what righteousness is. And they wouldn't know righteousness if it, you know, slapped them upside the head. Yes, yes. Well, I, I know what you mean. Um, true leaders, true apostolic leaders are always challenged uh, on the way they lead and uh, many times on the way they, they, they speak because they, they're a direct representation, if they're a true apostolic leader, of, of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, and Jesus was the most loved, but he was also the mis- most misunderstood and he was also the most hated man. I mean, all of those things. Right, exactly. Like in our, like today in our culture, when we think about, you know, like what's going on, you know, the stuff goes on like there's nothing to it. You can't turn the TV on today without everything is, you know, there. It, 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 you know, back in the, when I was growing up, it, all the older people for me, they called television programming. Yes. You know, programming. And boy, they got they, did, they hated that. You know, they didn't like <laughs> they didn't like it being called programming. Yes, yes. They wanted to call it. You know, they call it sitcoms. You know, shows this, that, whatever. But I actually think programming. I've been watching for the last really closely for the last maybe two or three years, and how they've just loaded up everything on television. I don't care where it is, whether you're watching golf on TV or or any other kind of sports, or any anything, your favorite television show, I don't care what it is. It might even be your favorite religious show. And they're loaded up with today's version of um, cultural nominalism, whatever it is. So LBGT stuff is everywhere like it's normal. Nothing. It's just in every, it's in every, it's in commercials everywhere. And so, when I think about that, I you know I think about a couple of words, but I, I think that this whole Equality Act is our modern day name and decree. It, it's the decree that will, I mean, will be in completely intolerant of God lovers, of Bible followers, to the point. I mean, they, they, now if you disagree with them, they're talking about arresting you, trying you for crimes against humanity for your words. Yes, because you disagree with them. Yes, yes. And then they literally talk about they want you gone. You shouldn't have a right to be here. Yeah, And, and the, then people are and then out in the street, you know, there's a guy, uh, they're showing this over and over and over, and this guy throwing this, uh, like a 68-year-old woman down the stairs in a train station. And people go by, 
on the escalator and they're watching it and nobody does anything. So I just wasn't brought up that way. <laughs> I tell you right now, I would get involved and the and the guy would be wouldn't be happy I got involved. Yeah. Yeah. I said, you like, you like, I'm, let me throw you down the stairs a couple times. See how you like it. So I mean it's just what we, we under we don't understand is that we're it's the same thing over and over again inside the church is that fear is a false ear when you really think about it. The word fear is just the word it's ear with an F in front of it. And it's a false ear. When you you're afraid because you hear something falsely. And when you stop hearing what God's saying, you only start hearing what the enemy's saying. And so now what we've done is we're right back to where we're in 1940. We want to live in piety, which is passivity. And the word pass is the foundation of passive. And then we want to live, we want, we want to ignore what's going on, but the, ignore is the foundation word of ignorance. And today, man, we're living in this anti-nominalism, this lawlessness is absolutely out of, this completely out of control off the charts. Oh, totally. Where it seems completely normal. And if you say anything about upholding law or righteousness, just like here, this Jesse Smollett here, hate crime, convicted by a jury of his peers, should have been put in prison. I think he should have been in prison as long. Whatever, if I had actually committed a hate crime and I'd have been in prison for life, if you fake a hate crime, you should be in prison for life as well. That's how bad it is to stir up the racial tension. So here this dude does it. LBGTQ, racial tension here in Chicago, put the whole city on edge. Nearly had a dang riot going on in there because he spread this stuff. He lied. It was all proven to be lies. He gets convicted of a jury, put in jail for only 150 days. He's already out on bail. They let him out on bail yesterday. He was in jail for five days. They let him out on bail yesterday because they said by the time he served his 150 days, uh, would be his appeal time would be up and he would already serve 150 days. It's in, it's absolutely insane. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, Don. I'll tell you what, uh, years ago, years ago, I reported on it all over the United States in conferences. This is years ago. The United Nations in their uh, forum for religious uh, leaders they said, uh, if you believe in only one God, and he is the only God, you're not authentically human. And then it goes on to say, is it wrong to kill someone who is not authentically human? Like you said, there's a spirit behind uh, this, this sinister and evil attack on the truth of Jesus Christ. It's a murderous spirit. Spirit. They want to eradicate the seed of Jesus Christ, you and me. Absolutely. I mean, that's 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 what the, but see, that's been the play of the enemy for all along. I've been really studying a lot about this, where it says Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah. You know, he says that same stuff a couple of times, and we go back and said, you know, they're giving and taking in marriage and whatever. And so I, I've been writing and thinking about it. You know, I'm thinking, do we believe? that God destroyed the entire earth, all except for eight human beings and animals on a boat because people had three or four marriages. And then we sit in churches today, and it's not uncommon for people in the church to be married two or three times. Very common. And, 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 but we sit and we tell ourselves that God destroyed the whole earth for that. And then we sit in the midst of what we're sitting in today, and we think, oh, well, this is a different culture, a different time. The reality is, is what it says is we missed the points of what it says. It said that Noah... It said Noah was the man who was perfect in all of his generations. The word's plural, generations, not 
generation. If it said perfect in his generation, which would have meant that he was a perfect man in his generation towards God. Now, I believe that Noah loved God very much. But when it says generations, it's talking about the seed, the promise of God in the Garden of Eden for redemptive seed. And the enemy's plan has always been to destroy the seed. That, that's his whole plan, and that's why it says you'll strike your field, but he'll crush your head. And that's where we're back up against now. We're going to see it happens in every, you go back to the Bible, the worst times through, every single time it was up, even like when you look at Mordecai and Esther, they're going to destroy the entire seed. It's always about destroy all of Israel, the seed of God, which, which the seed was coming through. And today, the redeemed seed, children of God, are under the same assault, and we're starting to see this assault get more uh, clarified and more unified. Um, and, you know, we think about the, when the Bible talks about persecution in the time of the Antichrist, you know, we, we don't, we just, we become so accustomed to there's, God's only got a love side. He doesn't have, the, he doesn't have a, a side, you know, it says that we should be aware of both sides of God, his severity and his mercy. And when he comes with judgment, and he allows judgment. You know, that's the question we have to ask. Where is the line that we have to cross for God to unleash his judgment on the earth again? Well, I believe that line. I believe that line is getting closer and closer. I, I wrote a book years ago called The Science of Judgment, going into the rise and fall of nations, the science of judgment. This is predictable. There comes a moral case. And as man slips further and further into a beast, the science of judgment. Now, I'll read you a couple statements since we, you mentioned LGBT. Uh, on a newsletter I wrote August 2011, what the founding fathers thought of Islam and homosexuality. It says, quote, George Washington believed sodomy, an infamous crime that was to be abhorred and detested. Thomas Jefferson authorized a bill penalizing sodomy by castration. In New York, the penalty for the detestable and abominable vice of buggery was hanging. Likewise, Connecticut laws required the death penalty. Georgia was a little more liberal, the penalty being life imprisonment at hard labor. Maine, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, and Vermont all prescribed sentences from one year at hard labor to death. Now, now, Don, this is our history. This is what mm-hmm. was going on not too long ago when we were a much closer society to the laws and morality of God. Right. And, and today, the, we, people call that those people barbaric. Oh, yeah. And they're the very same people that said, if you hold that view, you should be put to death. Exactly. I mean, it's just that it's, uh, you know, that's what I I, I'll tell you a story. I was on an airplane one day. I, I was going to California and uh, San Diego, and I got on the plane. And a guy got on, and I, I was upgraded to first class. And the guy got on beside me, and it was very clear to me, very, you know, just that the guy was. <laughs> I know what you're saying. He was, he was, he was, he, you know, that he was a homosexual. Sure, sure. Or gay, or whatever you want to call it. And I didn't make a big deal out of it, but you know, I, I, I always try to kick up a conversation with people. So I, this, and I, and, and when I started talking to him, I could tell he was like de- depressed. He was down and whatever. And he eventually told me that he was going to, 
uh, San Diego to the funeral of his partner's father. So, so I told him I was sorry to hear that and whatever. Then, you know, he, we talked a little bit and he asked me what I did. And I, and I told him that I, I was a psychologist because that's what I'm trained in. And then I did counseling and share, you know, help people deal with issues and problems in their life and stuff. And he kept on and on and on and on. And he was really drilling down. He wanted to know, like, what kind of counseling you do, you know. And I said, I do a lot of marriage counseling and uh, whatever. And eventually he got to the point that he then I said that I did Christian counseling from a Christian perspective. Sure. And then and, and, and immediately he told me, I, I knew you were a bigot. Oh, my goodness. And he, got, he, he got after me. And then he turned over and he went to sleep, slept by the window for a while. But it's a four-hour flight, four and a half, you know. So... I just went, I, I did some work there, whatever. He woke up, you know, and they brought us up, whatever. I just left him alone. I wasn't bothered. So pretty soon he started talking. He wanted to start to, and he had, had that, that tone, you know, he's going to just really drill me, you know. And so he started talking, and I said, can I ask you a question? And he said, yeah. And I said, uh, exactly what is a bigot? Since that's what you called me. And uh, I said, I... I guess people have different definitions. My definition is not a very good one. I wouldn't call you a bigot or any other name for that matter. And uh, so he started him and hawing around trying to tell me what a bigot was, you know, whatever. And uh, so he finally got his definition done. And I mean, he, 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 he realized he was in a big issue because he had, he was guilty of his own definition and I wasn't. Sure. And, so pretty soon I said, you know what? I find this amazing. We're sitting here talking, whatever, just having a conversation. And the moment that you find out that I'm a Christian, I said, I knew that you were gay and whatever. I, said, I didn't make anything against you. I, I still had compassion for you. I felt you know, sorry that you lost somebody that you cared about and uh, whatever. I said, but the moment that you found out that I was a Christian, you immediately started calling me names, call me a bigot. I said, I said, I only have one question. In our conversation, just between you and me sitting right here, who would more fit the de- your definition of a bigot, you or me? And all he he got angry, and he didn't say anything. You could tell the game almost started shaking. Wow. And then, you know, by the end of the, we got ready to get off that flight, and he got up out of that seat, and he apologized to me. He said, I'm, I'm sorry. He said, I should have never called you a bigot. I don't know anything about you or whatever. And I gave him my card. And I said, if you ever need to talk to anybody, or you want to know somebody from my point of view, not that you ever would, but if you ever would, I'd be more than happy to talk to you about it. Or call me. And we left the plane or whatever. But that, that's just the whole thing is that people, we sling these words around. And they, uh, you know, it, but it, it, only, it only fits one group of people. And if it gets turned back on us, boy, we get uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. And, and we should, because we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Well, I, I think in Genesis it goes into that uh, explanation: uh, the seed of Jesus Christ, the seed of Satan. They're they're enemies, uh, one another. In other words, Satan hates the seed of Jesus Christ. So that spirit in that man manifested to the Holy Spirit in you, Don. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree with that that view. Just uh, it just is kind of you know when you're out and about or whatever. It just really uh, it it can be alarming sometimes. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
I used to be uh, overseer of all of Africa for uh, church planting, and I'd fly and talk to missionaries, say, "Is have you had any problems? And if they say no, I, I, I say, well, I'm not sure why, because uh, <laughs> if you're representing Christ, there's going to be a few problems. Uh, uh, you're in this culture that is anti-Christ, and uh, you're going to have some, some feedback, and it's not always right. going to be pretty. Yes, absolutely. You know, on another... It, 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 Go ahead. Go, well, go ahead. Finish. Finish it. Well, I was just I, in the in the book of First Corinthians. It says, you know, there's a. It's an interesting passage when it talks here, talking about uh, no eye has seen, no ears entered, uh, heard, or has entered the heart of man the things that God prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed it to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Then it has a statement that says, For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit which is in him? It said, Even so, no one knows the things of God except by the Spirit of God. So what it says, and it says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit from God, that we might know these things that have been freely given to us by God. And so what's really interesting there is it's just like it says, if you ask me, like, how am I doing? And I say, I'm doing okay. There's no way for you to know how I'm doing but what I tell you. That's right. And, and, the, and the same thing is true. That's why the Holy Spirit's not optional to people because the Holy Spirit is the only the only part of the Trinity that can reveal to us the heart of God and the mind of Christ. You're so right. You're, so you're... we need that so much. So we can, we can try the Bible and different stuff like that. But the reality is, is that we can't even understand the Bible and we'll get it even even get that wrong if we're not careful. And so what I found is interesting when we're talking about this whole culture, you know, trying to be moral and telling us that we need to be this way or that way in order to be biblical or Christian or something like that. It was interesting. Uh, this Lewis Johnson Jr. wrote a piece in a Wycliffe Bible commentary. He said, human ears cannot hear high-frequency radio waves. Deaf men are unable to judge music contests. Blind men can't enjoy beautiful scenery, and the unsaved are incompetent to judge spiritual spiritual things. And this is the most important practical truth. Amen. And that, that's what we have. We have that very thing going on. People who cannot discern the things of God trying to tell Christian people how we ought to think and how we ought to live. And we have, and the stupidity is that Christian people are actually trying to listen to them. Yes to make peace or whatever they're doing with them. And it's never going to work because once they get you to just do one thing, and it's another thing, another thing, another thing, until you can't even believe in God or you're the enemy. <laughs> yes, that's right. So anyway, I mean, it's, just, it's just kind of amazing where we are. Well, again, they will never understand a, a true born-again Christian because they they don't understand uh, the author of the book in which we live by. Exactly. And so, I mean, uh, Jesus said to go tarry, go tarry until you are filled uh, with a third person of the Trinity. And even many Christians don't understand other Christians because they're not actually filled with the Holy Spirit, Don. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, I talk about that all the time, but, and I get in trouble with my friends. Jesus... Paul said that 500 people saw Jesus at one time. And we know that Jesus told in Acts, he told to go wait until he choose for the Holy Spirit. And there's 120 people there when it happened. 
Now you can you can say three hundred and eighty people ignored his command, but people tell me, Well, you don't know that he said it to five hundred people. And I said, I know he said to more than the disciples because there was ten times that many people there within the upper room. But what I find amazing is if you were lived during that time and you were following Christ and you saw him crucified and you saw him put in the tomb, and then you found out that he had risen from the dead, he was walking around teaching about the kingdom of God, and you went and found him, would you ever leave his side? You're right. I mean, he, he had to, the angels had to tell the people who were standing there watching when he went up in, into the air to go, 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 he'll be back in the same, but go about your business, go do what he told you to do. You know, so I, we've had this problem with the spirit from the very, very beginning. There were more people who tried to operate in the kingdom's command then we had had the, the uh, power of the Holy Spirit to help. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Warning Radio Program. Special guest, Apostle Don Beasley, Turning Point City Church, Dixon, Illinois. Again, if you're in the area, visit his church. Next time, we're going to talk on a subject because you are getting right into it anyway. Again, on one of my blogs, I have, Are You a Spiritual Eagle or Chicken? It depends on who you spend the majority of time with. Fly with the eagles or walk with the chickens. The choice is yours. I wish I had time for you to respond to that, Don, but we'll open it up next time. May God richly yeah, bless you. Huh? Go ahead. I can't wait. It'll be fun. Okay. May God richly bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.